Welcome back to Crudely Drawn Swords, the history edition, in which we try and figure out what the world was like thousands of years before it was troubled by the antics of the hawks, so that we can in turn trouble the hawks with our own antics. With me are Tom Everett. Hello. And Lucy Teague. Borada. Good to have a bit of international language there. <laughs> and so we're going to continue playing our game of microscope in which we explore various events from the fall of Malahim, which is our chosen topic. We've already established that the uh, beautiful city that we created is a horrifying dystopia <laughs> of murder and <laughs> brutal fish that foretell the future. So this can only get better. Fed on, on the blood of innocence. Yeah. And the guilty occasionally, but mainly the innocence. Mm. And also books. Innocents who are carrying books. What I like is that when we start talking about this stuff, my brain immediately goes into like world building rationalization mode where I'm like, I see how these things fit together. They need the books because they're reshaping the knowledge of the books. They take knowledge to give knowledge. Hmm. So our first focus is going to be the relationship between Malahim and the rest of the Stone Empire, because Malahim was effectively the capital city of the world. I think it would be interesting to start with something that shows us some of that relationship happening. So in the peak of Zenith, we could have a new period, which is perhaps the creation of the seeing mirrors. Mm. Yeah, the council mirror. Yeah. Which presumably others are being created at the same time, so it's useful. Well, what I'm thinking is that scrying mirrors have been something that was developed. Oh, right, okay. And uh, they found a way to bind these messengers to the mirrors, but they were always quite small. Hmm. And this is the point at which a new kind of mirror, seeing mirror, what's it called? Um, I want it to be quite a scrying mirror, because it's not really about spying, it's more like a window into another place. Mm. Yes. The big peeper? <laughs> big peeper. <laughs> Get your peepers on this. The um, special faraway sea glass friend chat thing. <laughs> I thought I'd go snappy. <laughs> the chat window. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Let's do my traditional thing. <laughs> uh, sorry, I was just looking at window. And in uh, Icelandic, that's gluggy. <laughs> So I think the term I'm going to use is the fenister, which comes approximately from the Latinate root for window, but it's also, it's probably closest to the Welsh word. Mm. And so I think we could have 
a scene based upon the opening of the mirror, as it were. Hmm. The question is going to be, what was the first news reported through the fenister? Hmm. Okay. And the idea I have is that the council hall, we've already had a scene there, haven't we? Oh, yes, yes. We had the council chamber with Zachary Model Stump. <laughs> Man. So the scene is in the council hall. Okay. Who's going to be there? So this is quite some time before any of our existing characters are about, isn't it? Well, it's like at the zenith, it's ahead maybe of the fish in the canals. Yeah, yeah. So we might have some of the younger politicians. Hmm. We had a politician in the first Festival of Tomorrow scene we did, didn't we? She might well be around. Tarana... Saris? Oh, yes. Tarana Sarista, who was like an older politician. Yeah. Hmm. She was like the fifth quill. Yeah. Then there was the nascent Mr. Clifftop. Yes. But I guess that's he goes on a long time after that, so not him. Yeah, potentially not, but there could be a cliff top there. Mm -hmm. uh, they seem to be one of the big families. We'll presumably have someone on the other side of it, mm -hmm. as it were, picking up the call. Yes. Sorry, I was being quite... I was just reading back what we'd said about the mirrors before. Maybe linked with sky singing? Yeah, so I think... Some kind of chorister of, person. Maybe. Well, I think one of the sky singers or a group of sky singers will be actually the people who are creating the mirror and harmonising it. Mm, okay. So we could have one of those as well. And they might have like cool chorister type titles. Mm. We haven't really established what their magic is, but it's clearly music related. Yeah. This council hall where there's going to be a mirror that communicates, would it be like the central hub of yeah. uh, the mirror network? So maybe there'd be like mirrors all around, like to all the different places it links to. Well, I think the idea is that maybe the mirror is like a wall almost, or like this huge disc high on the wall. So before you've only had them that you could do one-to-one -one communication, mm -hmm. and this is like the whole council can see and hear and interact with it. And are all the different other mirrors in different places, is it that all of a sudden they're kind of joined in a kind of uh, concordance? Well, maybe, yeah, because this would be like a cross-imperial endeavour, couldn't it? So Yeah, if you've got messages having been passed, but all of a sudden you've got every every sort of person of significance able to discuss something together at the same time. Yes, and so now imperial policy can be discussed in a way it just never could before. Yeah, yeah. Is this like gonna be a two a two way thing or just that they can transmit it? Yes, it, it is a two way thing. So they can receive because the question is explicitly what was the first news reported through the fenister? Mm. Mm -hmm. So and it, are we thinking of this as sort of like dramatic news that occurs as it's unveiled? Or it could just be like, hello, hello, this is London calling. This is <laughs> London calling. Do you hear me, Washington? Yeah, like Watson, come here, I need you type thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it could just be that. Hmm. And that's sort of what we're, I think we're here to find out. Yeah. What about like maybe a messenger having been sent? So like this being a kind of a, maybe a demonstration. Yes. So a messenger was sent with some kind of sealed instructions or a song yeah. to be sung. A song. I think it's a song. <gasps> the national anthem. 
<laughs> so what we've got to do, well, we'll just crack it open and we just start singing spontaneously to see that it matches up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perfect. See what happens. It could be the, the first great harmonic concordance. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I'm not sure it will be. <laughs> so, Tom, who are you playing? Why don't I be uh, someone in the far distant spot okay. who's had received the message? So where do you want to be? If you don't have a strong opinion, I might suggest Artushka. Artushka, yeah, okay, I can be an Artushka. Or, sorry, Artusha. Tush. Artusha. I, I've kind of got that mixed up. I think sometimes I've written it Artushka, sometimes I've written it Artusha. It's now Arusha. Oh, I see, okay. And it's the next place the hawks are going to be. Right, sure. So it might be nice to relate into it a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay. That could be the first message. Yeah. What? About the mispronunciation of the silent uh, T. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying to tell you for a long time. <laughs> the, yeah, we're going to standardise pronunciation and spelling, because we've noticed there's a big problem throughout the empire and no one understands. But this would be the first time they discovered that because they've not spoken before. <laughs> they've just written letters. Yeah. And they have had like one-to-one mirrors. This is more like the organisational level mirror, so... Oh. Yeah, yeah. I was really hoping that maybe um, the reason they couldn't find anything out about Malahim is it's actually pronounced Maloim. <laughs> it's a silent H there. Well, it's hard to know what the accent is. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah, it's right there on all the maps. Everyone's like, oh, Maloim? Yes. Mm. Malohim. Malohim. So you're going to be in Artushka. Yep. And so the other thing is, like, you've only got the small mirror. Yes. You're going to be completely filling this whole wall. Right, yes. What's your character's name? Um, I think he was going to be called Hanraha. Okay, and what kind of person is Hanraha? I think he is a person of some importance that maintains the mirror the other side. Okay, yes. Is this seen as technology or is it seen as sort of something kind of mystical, religious almost? I think it could be either. Okay, so he. I think he's sort of someone slightly... Slightly priestly, actually. Someone who feels this is kind of a sacred moment where things are coming together. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Where minds will join and, and the truth shall emanate. How about as a title, Corista Fortissimo? That's good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Hanraha. Yes. Corista Fortissimo. Uh, Lucy, who are you playing? Hmm. I guess, like, on this side, we're going to have the whole council. We're going to have the Sky Singers who actually are responsible for like finishing getting the work happening but also there's a good chance some of them may be on the council mm. it, this might even be like a vindication of uh sky singer power so there might be a thing like land wielders who have been the established magical power in the realm mm. this might be a bit of a turning point for them as well yeah so there's a few different angles and i guess there might also be other members of the public dignitaries people they want to impress you know yeah whatever so i'm gonna be a sky singer okay and my name oh man names. did you make a list of names i know <laughs> i'm going to be called um alice <sighs> um what can you see in front of you i just exactly what i was doing i was like alice Curtains, pole. Candelabra. What about Alice Cadenza? Yeah, okay. That's, again, appropriating musical terminology. Yeah. 
Okay. So who is the chair of the council at this point, I guess? The first quill. And I think these quills, they were originally like the administrative assistants to Stonefoot when the empire was first built. And they became like the bureaucracy, and then the bureaucracy became the government mm. in a kind of standing way. Yeah, so the quill implies they're kind of writing stuff down rather than actually enacting things. And- yes, exactly. Like it. And he's going to be called uh, Yan Kayik, which is, as a quill name goes, sounds a bit like an owl, which is probably appropriate. And I feel like this is a light scene. Because mm-hmm. this is like a new cool thing that everyone's got. So the stage is, we're in this council hall. I feel like it's a tall room. We're accustomed to think of dark wood. But given that this building was created by stone wielders, I feel like it's shaped stone. Hmm. But it's it's like deftly shaped. It's really fine. The supports are just just strong enough. They're not huge bulky things they're like elegant branches and it has this uh, arrangement of being quite shadowed around the edge with a light to space in the center which we established is like allows witnesses to give evidence or speakers to give evidence while the council themselves have a sort of anonymity to them so the room is configured like that but what if the fenister like almost seals the room, like it's kind of a door. Huh. So there's the room you go into, and it's like rolled into place across it. Hmm. Oh, right, yeah. And once it's in place, the room is closed, and that exit is part of what gives it its harmony, hmm. its ability to reach the world. Yeah, kind of resonating chamber. Yeah, and I imagine that maybe this mirror is... Almost circular, but it's edged. So it's, it's like a polygon, but it's got loads of sides, like mm. 30 sides or something. Yeah. So it looks circular at a distance, but close up, you can see it's all angles. And then the outside is ornamented very finely. And within that, the mirror itself. And I imagine that in this hall, it's quite crowded. You have most of the council members on their seats, you have the sky singers on each side of the mirror, and they're singing this harmony that sort of shakes in the air. Yeah, it's got this kind of resonance to it. Oh, if only I had a wine glass in here this week. (laughs) That would have been perfect. Hang on, be right back. (laughs) Lucy's doing the folio work. Also, if only I had wine this week. So, you have the harmony of these sky singer voices that's causing the air to resonate in strange ways and sort of pulsing over itself. And as they're singing, you can see the mirror start to change what it's showing. There's a small cleared space at the centre, and Jan Kayak is there. He's a halfling. He's got quite dark skin and a white beard and white hair, and he walks with a stick. And he's just kind of, even though he's a little guy, he kind of really makes himself the centre. He's got a lot of presence. And he turns to the lead of the uh, Sky Singers and is like, Singer Cadenza, are we ready? Nearly, nearly. We just need to join up some harmonies with the other choristers and then we're, we're good to go. And does she just like start singing 
into this sound. And as she does, you see, like, the mirror fog over. And then it unfogs. And there's just the huge face of Hanraha, <laughs> the chorister Fortissimo. <laughs> I didn't say Peter Hanra Hanrahan, <laughs> but I was thinking it. Uh, so, what does Hanraha look like? Kind of tall, thin, kind of willowy fellow who looks like he has led an indoors life of study. Yeah. Um, he has kind of long, fine fingered hands, the kind of hands of a musician. And he is decked in the robes of a chorister. And he has a kind of a kind of wiry strength about him that's kind of not really that apparent right now because he's obviously standing at rest. Okay. But he's very kind of eagerly awaiting the moment where this all becomes clear. He's kind of peering with great piercing eyes into the mirror. And so Jan says, uh, Hanraha, do you hear me, Hanraha? Yes. Yes, I can hear you. I believe the connection is working. I believe that the mirror has combined its... I like the idea that the, ooh, you know, the yeah. the harmonies in order to get it going, that it's quite startling when um, Hanraha's face is suddenly massive on this big mirror and, yeah. and then it's like, ooh, <laughs> and so you just lose him momentarily. Yeah, it like sort of mists over. <laughs> and then he's back. <laughs> and, uh... I hear your song. Keep the song strong. Ooh. And we shall create this joining of these mighty choirs. I think he kind of gestures <laughs> yeah, around him. And then from the kind of the shadows in the location he's in, which I presume is, yeah. has some kind of similarities, that's when his guys start to really go for it as well. Yes. And Jan Kayak kind of, uh, he smiles and he gestures round to the council and he says, see what we have wrought. This will connect our world. The Stone Empire's strength will be multiplied a thousandfold, as we know of all that transpires across our lands. Between the seven cornerstone cities, <laughs> our communications... <laughs> Great. So that's the theme that powers the mirrors, is it? Yeah, classic. <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh, I love Black Beauty. And uh, <laughs> yes, and I think he says, uh, Hanraha, what do you have to report from the Empire's northwest corner? The message you sent to us has been received. The recent incursions have been quelled, and the harvests have begun. We expect our shipments of grain and produce to, to be leaving here within a week. And now we will be able to coordinate with yourselves. Nyankaik says, exactly as we would have hoped. This is the beginning of a new age, my friends. Our names will go down in history and never be forgotten. Thank you very much, Hanraha Corista Fortissimo. Thank you. Alice Cadenza. <laughs> You have done outstanding work. 30%. <laughs> Kiesta Finesta. <laughs> <laughs> Which is apparently the instruction to uh, calm it down. So, yeah, I think that's quite good. The first news reported through the Fenister was, like, <laughs> some grain and the incursions have been uh, repelled. That's all good. I hope that the incursion was uh, of grain weevils. <laughs> yeah. Let's go our imaginary left, which I think was Lucy next. Lucy, what do you want to look at? 
within the focus of the wider world and our relationship with it. We like the idea about the part of the reason that Malahim has the canals is that it needed to get the fresh water in because of... Um, yeah, because it's quite out in the desert. And that some of the land had maybe been salted. So I was thinking, what about in terms of what we get from the salted lands? Yeah, that's pretty interesting. As so we talked about what would they be able to grow at the salted lands? Yes, I do believe we, that topic did come up. In fact, I think it's on Lucy's explicit inclusion list. Wait, was that pumpkins? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what period are we looking at this seen happening in well i suppose it become just before ruin wouldn't it so like the empire falling yeah so it could be early in ruin mm. or maybe decline yeah that's what i'm thinking that the decline of the empire yeah because obviously it, the whole empire isn't going to fall when it's just malahim is taken it's well maybe it would so that's a period ahead of ruin which we could call decline mm-hmm so during this time, a harvest's failing. Mm. Well, I was also wondering about whether maybe if life is quite hard there, it would be quite easy to make people leave that area if you were to attack that area in some other way. Yeah. And then obviously they're going to lose the crucial pumpkins supply to the city. It's yeah. probably really why Malahim starts to fall itself. Yeah. Okay. So uh, mm. and the surrounding area are in trouble. This is probably a dark period. Mm. So we've got decline now. Mm-hmm. So Tom, what's your period event or scene? Um, I think an event within that. Yeah. You almost need something that's kind of like a first stone getting dislodged in the landslide. Yeah. Mm. What seems to be less significant. Yeah, let's say there's an uprising in a province. All right. So we have in the map the core cities. The other cities are sort of at the extremities. And some of them, by the time of the Hawks, just don't exist. Talim in the West doesn't exist. Right, yeah. Farmouth is not far from there, and we've just not explored what happened. Simbrusawa up in the northeast. There's Jawane in the far east. Jawane. Jawane. <laughs> Jawane. Jawane. <laughs> I didn't really think through the names to say when I wrote them down, apparently. There's Artusha and Kalsahir down in the south. And those are like the big cities, the home of city provinces, I guess. Yeah, something like the destruction of a dam, even a dispute over some lands. Yeah, that's interesting. A destruction of a dam that kind of leads to uh, an area becoming less fruitful. We have the three central cities, Malahim, Mirason and Tambariel, all of which are connected by a single canal. So maybe something happens to the canal in between. Okay. So yeah, Tambariel was very much gateway to the west. And so a dispute over the Tambariel Canal. Maybe someone's trying to do something a bit shady. What if there's a bunch of farmers Uh along that bit of the canal that have always been siphoning off a bit of water to like irrigate their fields Mm. and maybe something goes wrong Mm -hmm. and they actually effectively break the canal? Yeah, they drain it entirely and sort of you end up with a kind of uninterrupted supply further down the line. Mm. Yeah, so the city is running low on water. Maybe the farmers have also lost their crops. And so the city's unhappy on two counts then, because all of a sudden they're not being supplied, you know, two of the basic communities of life. Yeah. 
it may even be like the dispute is between like the farmers are also then going, your bloody canal broke and ruined all our crops. <laughs> <laughs> and they like, and then the other local farmers are protesting like, yeah, you don't care about farmers' rights. <laughs> and could there also be that where the canal's broken and it's basically some farmers got a flooded patches of just flooded land. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're flooded and, and so their farm's ruined. Everyone else's farms are ruined and it's a disaster. And they're all arguing over whose fault it is. Hmm. And whoever's fault it is, is definitely trying to cover it up by making a massive fuss about it how it's someone's fault that they should have maintained the canals properly yeah yeah absolutely okay so that sounds pretty interesting i assume this is probably a dark scene dark event yes so as it comes back to me i've got an idea now we've got that event how did the malahim council respond to this surprise and I think there's something interesting about the fact it's a surprise. Yes. Because why didn't the fish warn them? Mm. There was that question of, of like, have they got some kind of intention or agenda? Yeah. Or are they just, you know, these... This kind of magical gift. Yeah. So who's in the council chamber at this point? I imagine that the Fenister is up and running. Mm. So also we might have some people from Tambariel or from Mirason mm. in terms of character. So we could have anyone from like the authorities on Tambariel, people who know about the canal, people who are on the council, uh, or people who are involved in the dispute. Um, well, what about a farmer who's lost the land and is and is actually genuinely outraged rather than that being any uh affront. Yeah. You know, they they have a genuine grievance. They are someone who is yeah who has throughout their life believed and is now has now been very much let down by the system. Yeah, okay. Do you have a name for your outraged farmer? Um <laughs> let's call him <laughs> Tobias Tobias Jug. <laughs> Tobias Jug. <laughs> I'm looking at this so far, like Russian doll pepper grinder. Can't be called pepper grinder. Tobias Pepper. He could be Tobias Pepper. That's a good farming name. But yeah, that's good. Yeah. Tobias Pepper. He, he makes sort of, yeah, he, he, he spice farmer as it happens. <laughs> yeah. Like it. Yeah, pumpkin spice. <laughs> <gasps> nutmeg. Mm. Yeah, nut I love nutmeg. Is, do you farm that? Yeah. Okay, he's, he's a spice farmer. Okay, so Lucy, who are you playing? Well... I was like, okay, name generator. So I'm on to fantasy name generator. One of the things you can generate is uh, angel names. <laughs> what the hell is that? Ooh. An angel name? I don't know. Tell me an angel name. I'll tell you what it is. Okay, angel names. Oh, it doesn't do anything. His name is Angel Names. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a Wu-Tang Clan name generator somewhere, which is how Childish Gambino got his name. <laughs> really? Apparently. Yeah. Well, the angel name generator I'm seeing has like Pravuil and Cathetel and Quapsatil. Catheter? Oh. Catheter. It's not very good. Uh, okay, yeah. here we go. Catheter Jones. <laughs> the angel who protected medical supplies. <laughs> Some of these are ridiculous. The voice of silence. Well, that's a cool name. Garfunkos. <laughs> Garfunkos Simon. Yeah. I'm going to go with this one. I'm going to go with Brogatha. Okay. So you're Brogatha. Brogatha Austere. Oh. That's a very authority name. Yeah. I think you, you could be First Quill. Is that First Quill of the whole Stone Empire or just Malahim? It is of the Stone Empire. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Brogatha Austere could be that. That is an amazing name, in fact. You just tell me next time you need a name, you know. Okay. 
<laughs> Just after going through 200 angels, you'll come up with something pretty good. Right. I think it seems legit that I should be a... I don't know what my name's going to be. God. I oh, I do. What's my name going to be? Grumdoubt. Grumdoubt. Cool. Yes, a dwarf name. <laughs> that is in keeping. Non-math Drakehide. <laughs> Non-math. <laughs> Just I hate numbers. I don't know whether it's going to be dark or light because I don't know what's going to happen. Mm. Mm, yeah. It sounds like it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> Are we in the council chamber? Yeah, I think we could be using the fenister. Yeah. And I've got the idea that by this point, they have matching fenisters in all the different cities. So you now can have, effectively, it's like room-to-room conference calls. Can it not be that there's, like, different mirrors around the room? Has it only one? I quite like the idea that there's only one. So you don't see them, you just hear them? No, you can see and hear them. Yeah, so how does it work with different people? So it is like the thing where whoever's speaking, their face pops up. I think that's probably a thing that comes in as they develop them. Yeah, it's got to be. So now, because different people have them, mm. the view will fill. Mm-hmm. And I, I've got an idea that maybe there are like different precious stones around the edge of the mirror, around the decoration. And the precious stones come from the cities that have the other finestas, oh. and they are mm. also your connection points. So, like, someone will pop up from the direction of their stone when they start speaking, so you can always see who it is. Yeah, and one of them leads to the city, the gold. Uh, that's too mysterious. You can't know about that. Yeah, true. <laughs> but it's basically like a big old stargate. Yeah, a bit like, and you literally can't go through it. Yeah. And also, you can't Mitchell and Webstyle use it as a waste paper basket. <laughs> Always a danger. Yeah. You could probably call up someone in a different city to check whether or not you've got something on your face. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, you know, there are like loads of mirrors that are not magical that just show your reflection. <laughs> You're like, no, this is better. <laughs> There's probably areas where like people are just basically employed to give fashion advice. They're sitting in mirrors <laughs> the whole time. Wow. Yeah. Because all these little sub things would show up, these little kind of sub industries. Yeah. It's certainly the case that because these fenisters work on Skysinger magic, but a lot of the others are just like a bound spirit in a mirror, so they can talk back or or whatever. Mm. So we now have Tom playing Tobias Pepper, the outraged farmer. Yes, hello. We have First Quill (gasps) Brigatha Austere, played by Lucy. Yes. And we have Citizen Administrator Grumbout of Tambariel, played by me. And so what I think, Tobias Pepper is in Mirason at the Fenister there, mm-hmm. because Tambariel is kind of who's disagreeing with him. So they wouldn't let him in. <laughs> no. Well, they wouldn't let him in to like air his grievance, because his grievance is with them. Find your own Fenestra. And they're like, no, you don't really have a claim here. Yeah. You people ruined our canal, now we've got no water. So each side is blaming the other for ruining things. Yeah, of course. And so... Perhaps the scene opens, we're in the council chamber, and the councillor there, but maybe Brigatha is kind of holding the floor, and on the fenester we see Tobias Pepper. What's he look like? Quite a, a dumpy fella. I'm tempted to say he's a halfling farmer. That sounds good. He is sort of quite grumpy looking, weather-beaten, middle-aged farmer, sort of leathery, spends his time out in the sun. He's probably a bit aware of the fact he's talking to big fancy folk, so he's put on his best fancy hat. Nice. 
It doesn't fit him really. It's still it's a bit big because it was actually his dad's hat. What's a fancy hat look like <laughs> in this place? Big uh, fancy hat. I think it's a sort of pseudo tweed affair. Wow, yeah. But it's kind of big, wide brimmed and designed to sort of keep out of the sun. So it's almost like a traditional farmer's straw hat, but in tweed. <laughs> cool. I love that. It's kind of a combination of the rustic and the most expensive material you can find. So it offers a lot of shade. Yeah. Well, it's still got to be practical, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also a point of pride. If you can afford a lot of material, that's a big hat. You have a lot of fabric. Mm. And that's like a phrase amongst farmers in that region. Like, oh, it's got a lot of fabric. And I mean, he's, he's solid. He's yeah. a person of significance. So like the bigger your hat, the higher your social standing. Yeah. Hmm. A lot of people gathered under his brim. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So like you have a small hat and you're sombre, but if you have a big hat, you're sombrero. <laughs> yes, I would say so. Okay, so now we've got a tweed sombrero. This is where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> what does uh, Tobias have to say for himself? Now, now, I'm. Is this is this on? Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Sorry, can I just stop you there? That isn't how we run the proceedings here. Well, now I'll that honoured. you what? Now that you have your Fenesta working. First order of the day then is well. Dispute. First order of the day is yes, what? Yes, hold on, how, please. How are you no, going hold to on. going to address Singer, the problems that you have got your Thank area you. has got? So. I can't seem to see your names in the list. Did you actually register properly for this dispute? <laughs> Thank you, administrators. So we have Tobias Pepper from Mirison. We also have Grumbout of Tom Bariel. Excellent. Well, since you're so keen, Tobias, go ahead. You you start. Well, I think we all know what Sorry, the problem is Sorry, no, you need to switch him back on. It's only me that can hear him. That's it. Oh, for goodness okay. sake. Right, we're all back on. Look at you. You're just trying to obstruct me at every Carry turn. On. What has happened is that the disruption to our crops is a direct response to your lack of care and your prioritising of your own area's needs. And now you are attempting to silence the voice of my community in scandalous ways good honest folk of the soil and you are stoking all kinds of un unhappiness and resentment and 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 you are giving the lie to this supposed connected society that we work within and i am yes excellent grumbout how do you respond to these accusations against you grumbout's uh quite a sturdy figure she's got a big beard obviously with three plaits and she has really quite solid features, very big eyebrows uh, that she kind of sweeps into her hair in, uh, in quite an imposing fashion. She's carrying what looks like a clipboard of some kind, or it could be a notary's book, which to someone from Malahim looks strange to see someone carrying a book, I guess. And she says, the people of Tambaril are on emergency water supplies because certain people have undermined the canal and flooded their own land. And although this may be a mistake, it remains a significant problem for the people of one of the core cities of the empire. Yes, so the canal. Now, the only source of water in our area for miles around. Well, yes, agreed. It is, um, yes, it is the only source of miles around. The only, only thing that, that will help enable our crops to grow and enable the cities to be fed. Mm, and watered. 
So what is the situation there that um, suddenly the canal spontaneously burst? There has been a long-running problem with the maintenance of the canal Hmm. and the distribution of water, which has led to catastrophic failure. To the distribution of the water... Would that be that the farmers have been redistributing the water amongst the farms and tampering with the pipework leading from the canal? That is one rumour we have heard. This is exactly what has been happening. Don't mistake me, we are not isolated urbanites with no contact with the roots of the people around our cities. We appreciate that these people probably do something. And we, we are the ones that keep your cities fed. We are the ones who actually grow the food that you in your glittering centres of civilization, are consuming by ever-increasing quantities daily. And we are the ones who have seen the supplies dwindle and have had no assistance from the central bureaucracy in terms of maintaining the supplies. Ah, well, in terms of maintaining the canals, uh, there are subsections of the canal that are the responsibility of the local cities rather than of the empire. And I would say, grumbout, that perhaps you need to get a team out there immediately working on fixing, repairing the canal. We have people there, of course. We have some good structural builders, but this has swept away the whole canal wall. The breach extends for almost half a mile. Very little water is reaching the city at all. If you could spare us some land wielders, they might be able to correct things more quickly than our builders are able to. Hmm. Yes, that, that we could possibly get that arranged. I think, obviously... We're not going to stand by and see our empire crumbling with drought and flood and famine and... Well, these are very fine words to hear now. I wish I'd heard them five years ago, to be honest with you. Why was that? Well, these are problems that have been stored up for a very long time. A very long time indeed. Year after year, people turning the other way, people ignoring the the growing problems. This is the culmination. We have maintained the canals to the very letter of the rule. Indeed, even that subsection and the Mm sub-subsection and the subsection, subsection and the footnote on that subsection. Excellent work. And if you think your rules are, are enough to actually make the crops grow, I suggest you maybe put the book down. Uh, with all these subsections and God knows what other things you have in there, master, master city boy. Grumbouts. Grumbouts, yes, definitely, I did not forget. Then you may find that there has always been a problem and these have not gone away. Time after time, we have been dismissed. There is documentation of my father mentioning this some uh, many years ago and him being laughed out of town. Well, Tobias, we maintain the canals, we provide water and a tough hand has been dealt to the people living in the plains. You know, the salted land is difficult to farm. But the rumours of failing farms and people abandoning farms, it's not true. It's it's all it's everything's proceeding as as expected as as it has been for some time. I think we could cut the scene there. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> we could just argue for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was enjoying the bureaucracy. I, I was inclined to suggest that some of the forms could have been filled in in more detail. <laughs> so that kind of worked out as a light scene. It, they were going to get people out to fix it anyway. Yeah, he was being a bit ungrateful, actually. This should never have even happened. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, he's right. Oh, see, I was 
deny the rumours <laughs> that are actually true. All true. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lucy, it is your turn to be the lens. Mm-hmm. So what, what's your focus you want to choose? Malahim burning and being overwhelmed by the power of the canopy of Fae. Yeah. I kind of like the idea that the Fae are meddlesome. Yeah. That they didn't just storm in and crush the city. Well, I have the idea that the fish are one of the Canavir. Is it Lengoyth? Yes, the madness of crowds. But also the oneness of many swarms and hosts. Yeah. That is the fish. Yes, that was my thinking, that the fish are this spirit. So the fish themselves are literally a chaos god. Yeah. And everyone's sacrificing things to them. And that's going to go well. <laughs> I wonder why the Fae become powerful and... Uh, yeah, it's a mystery. Overthrow <laughs> <and> them. <laughs> oh, strange. Also, we know that the Fenister is like sky singer magic, but most communication mirrors are Fae magic. They're based on binding a minor spirit to the mirror. Basically, the spirit's bound to Fae. So they're in the mirrors. Almost anything that lives has a little bit of fae spirit in it. That's what brings motion and change in life. Right, okay. So their fundamental nature is change. And so anything that can change has a little bit of them in it. But on the other side, there's also the kind of spirits of law. Mm. And anything which isn't completely anarchic has a lot of those. So everything's kind of in this balance. And that's why the sovereigns and their ability to negotiate between the Fae and the people are so important. But we, we haven't really touched on them at all, except that we know that they were part of the Stone Empire's legacy. Yeah. Mm. And we don't know that they can't interfere with the communications between the Great Mirrors as well. Mm. Is that what maybe attracts the attention of, the, of like the Fae as a whole, if they're sort of little ones are being taken? Well, that's one of the things, but also they are effectively chaos gods. So the orderly running of an empire is... Offensive. It's offensive to them, yes. They hate purity. Yes, they want to see everything corrupted. But also, it's not quite as simple as they just want to ruin everything. It's that they are agents of change. And anything that has stayed still for too long, they want to see changed and overthrown. We could make the focus the involvement of the Fae. Yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting scenes and events around this. What's interesting to you? Um, you can do two. You can do a period and event, an event and a scene, and it'll come back to you at the end of the round as well. So you have kind of like an opening to begin things. Having lots of people sacrificed to them is growing the phase power. Yeah. I guess the peak of that that we know about so far is the flood of the library. Start of decline and maybe of um, Faye starting to, to yeah. kick off and like, right, we can kick those guys out now. Is perhaps because the flood of the library has, has powered them so much. Yeah, exactly. That's given them a, an increase in power. Mm. So there might be an event between the library and the dispute. The point that we slightly skipped over in that scene was that it was a surprise. Mm. So the fish didn't warn them. Mm. Yeah, is it maybe someone's starting to argue that that's the case? Yeah, that might be quite a nice scene. Yeah, I think so. Like losing faith in the fish. Yeah. And that it would, you know, potentially have started after the flood of the library, yes. but it's really kicked in, especially in Tambariel, because they weren't warned. So maybe after the dispute over the 
canal, we have an event. Mm. Yeah. So is this a dark or a light event? I guess it's kind of dark. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because they're realising a truth that's important to survival, but it's also, like, culturally difficult. Yeah. It's a realisation of a crisis, but it could be the one thing that saves them. Okay, so are we going to frame a scene here? Lucy, it's still on you, so... You can lay a scene in here as well. Losing faith in the fish. There's going to be a scene that's very kind of hush-hush. We don't want this to get out there, but there's been a number of issues. You know, it's a very closed group. Is it like a closed group or is it some philosophers almost like in a bar or in the library? or It's almost like researchers. That is the most (laughs) closed group, yes. Well, you know, it's not like the most closed group. No, I agree. I mean it. But it could either be like an authoritarian (laughs) hush-hush or it could be a bunch of people being like, have you noticed this? Yes. As I say, we're how many years down the line we are. Uh, we're probably not long after the dispute. I think this is like, the dispute's like a pattern that, that makes people go, several things have happened now. You have one or two things and that's okay. But when it starts to be several, you start to look funny. Where does the conspiracy theory and, and paranoia tip over into yeah. actual genuine concern? Yeah, wait, the science is unambiguous. The climate is changing. <laughs> <laughs> did Berg Attin make it out of the library? I think maybe Berg Attin did, yes. Oh, yeah. I think he's probably a student by now. Yeah, okay. So what's the question? Oh, it's a question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Do they realise the danger or? What was the first response to someone noticing the pattern change? Yeah. And we think the scene is in a bar. Mm. What's it called? It's going to be something related to books and libraries, I think. Maybe the librarian's arms. Because in that scene where Corwin Clift got punched off by a monster, (laughs) there was a librarian lieutenant. So apparently librarians have been militarised. It's like the Admiral's (laughs) arms, yeah. Yeah, so the librarian's arms, it could be like a crossed scroll and sword or something. At some point, the design on the pub sign got changed, but now it is actually weapons on the the arms. Hmm. It sounds like a studenty bar near the library, I guess. Yeah. Have we got some kind of university within Malahim? I think there probably is, yeah. Attached to the library, maybe. Maybe... It's like the clifftop. Like they did it, maybe it's an academy. Yeah, the clifftop academy. (laughs) Somewhere to learn. It's also a bit more military. Yeah, definitely. You know, maybe there's like a conscription deal where, you know, look, you either are a librarian or you fight or both. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that sounds like a good school. Good. Who's And what by good school? I'm not sure what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) So, Tom, who are you playing? So I think I'm going to play... One of the the drinkers, I think I am the sceptical one who really doesn't think there's anything to worry about. Yeah. He's going to be called Algernon... Do we just... Fumpfkenner. <laughs> Fumpfkenner? <laughs> That's a terrible name. <laughs> think of like a guy from Agricultural Stout. <laughs> Fumpf. <laughs> Sorry, I just sneezed. He just, he just sneezed when the name was being written down in the registry office. Maybe Algernon... Stop being able to think. What about Algernon Kenner? Algernon Kenner? Yeah, it's shorter than Fumpfkenner. Less hilarious, I can see. <laughs> but it does get us over the uh, spending hours thinking up names. Um, Algernon Dewey. There we go. Oh, there we go. That's a good librarian-related name. <laughs> So yeah, he's sort of a, from a kind of comfy surroundings, never really seen anything particularly bad happen. Pretty convinced that things will just always stay as they are. That's who he is. Okay, so I'm going to be playing Nine Foot Sunward. She's a student, but she's from running people's stock. 
she's uh, one of the step clans. Which is what? The clans from the steps. Right, okay. But she's now, she's one of those postgraduate students who are indefinite postgraduates. <laughs> yes. Who never seem to be quite getting further or finishing anything, but also never quite drop behind far enough to count as dropping out. And you never quite know what they're actually studying. Mm-hmm. Every now and then they talk about having mm-hmm. to go see their supervisor. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> In that case, if you're playing her, I'd quite like to play Berg Atten, yeah. grown up. Yeah, I think that's a great character to have back. So I'm thinking that Berg Atten, following his uh, encounter with the fish in the flood of the library, is quite a slightly nervous-looking chap. Yeah. Obviously a bit scarred by his encounter. Did he actually, like, lose a foot or something? Did he? Yeah, I think maybe he did. Got pulled under, didn't he? Yeah. I thought he got saved by the book thief. I think he did, but I think he might have, like, had some life-changing injury as a result. Okay. Yeah, and also he's definitely quite a nervous sort of chap and, you know, he's noted for not having pockets, (laughs) no pockets. If he's got pockets in a coat, they're sewn up so that he would have never accidentally been found holding books near the fish again. And he always carries a bag and all books go in that bag. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) He's occasionally spotted if, you know, the sound of heavy rain, he's seen to like flinging his book bag to the floor. (laughs) Will occasionally tell other people off. Yeah. Yeah. Don't put that book in your pocket. Are you crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I guess these three know each other. Are they like sat around a table in the bar? What does the camera open on? Yeah, I'm thinking a table. Bergatin is, he's doing his research. The studenty bar is in a fairly safe location at a decent distance from the library itself and the canals. And Yeah, it's on relatively high ground. Yeah. Yeah. Which of us is actually going to be suggesting that the fish have stopped helping? Uh, I wonder if that's Berg's role. Yeah, I think so. Do you think? Cool. Okay, yep, that's fine. I just wasn't sure where you were going to go, Ben. I don't know yet either. Let's find out what Ninefoot has to say when we begin. <laughs> so... I imagine, like, maybe Algernon comes back with a round of drinks or something. Yeah, yeah, so possibly a second of the day. I think he probably, I think he's, uh, like, he's spent, he's been spending most of the day just kind of, like, comfortably sat in the bar, like, happily contemplating his timetable as it sort of whizzes past him, <laughs> chatting amiably to various people as they come and go, actually to their lectures, and he's not bothering. Yeah, yeah. If someone comes in, he's, you know, cheerfully hail them and wave them over to the table. Yeah. Because he's, he's wanting someone to actually talk to, because Atten keeps, Berg keeps just actually studying. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to be so interesting. And, like, Ninefoot has a scroll that she's had in front of her for quite a long time or like a page that she's had in front of her but she's basically just been drinking and chatting (laughs) not really paying much attention she claims it's her lecture plan for the next lecture she's doing (laughs) but she doesn't seem to be paying much attention to it and uh, she's kind of got maybe a good part of a pint still in front of her but she kind of lines them up. She's not the type of person that will refuse a drink if offered one mm. because she's been a student too long to be able to afford that. Yes, yeah, so she's kind of sat down there. And what happens? Have you guys spoken to uh, Ayla? Ayla? Nah. I saw her a little while back. Yeah, she's uh, apparently she's having to drop out. She's going to go back home. Really? Yeah, yeah. She's got no choice. Her parents live back over near uh, Mirison. Near? Like like farming stock? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't go back there if, if I was her. Why would you go back? The farm's, you know, completely ruined now and 
She can't afford it anymore. She's got to leave. Oh, can't afford it. Mm. Ah, shocking, shocking. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's ways you can afford it. You know, you can go down into the banks and... Yeah. I, I don't think robbing banks is widely encouraged, <laughs> Algonac. Well, you know, I do actually mean talking them into giving you more money. You know what they're like. You know, you just keep that bubble going, don't you? Mm. Well... That's the name of the game. Keep that going as long as you can. Just stay here. We don't all have the name of one of the great families behind us, Algonac. <laughs> You know, the Jewies have been associated with the library for a long time. Oh, no. Look, you make making this sound like it's some kind of conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, look. The fact that my granddad has a statue outside that library is nothing to do with my ongoing occupation of this lovely, lovely corner of this establishment. <laughs> um, I am fully funded through my own merits, and I am quite Hon- happily... Honestly... Honestly, we don't mind. All right. Well, that's good. Right. We're all students. Cheers for the beer, by the way. Hey. Takes a tiny sip because she's still keeping them in case there's a dry time coming up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's that's a bit of a hit to the numbers studying, uh, you know, the greater fish studies. Because she's not the first, is it? Uh, no, no. You know, those are here. We have to stay on. They have to keep us on, don't they? If Maybe there needs to be more people shifting over to the fish studies. Some of us aren't as well suited to it. And comparative linguistics is more practical for me mm. because I've already had to learn three languages just to make the journey to the city. What's the timetable like on fish studies? Does anyone know? I mean, it's busy. Mm. You, you can't put too many hours into this. You know, this is, this is serious steel. But in its favour, you do always know when your lectures are going to be. True. Yeah. The canal thing. Uh, Nasty business. Yeah, I was looking through the um, predictions from the... Oh, here we go. From the, the Festival of Tomorrow from oh. that year. Yes. N- nothing about it. Nothing at all. It's a good festival, that one. Came up. Yeah, I mean, yes. I, I don't really remember it. <laughs> and I think that means it was a good festival. Hey! Yeah. Well, right. okay, so Fantastic here it is time. here. Okay, there was there were 17 predictions recorded from that festival. Oh yeah, yeah. We 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 had do you remember we we downed we downed a little a shot for each prediction that came on out. Yes, that was right. Very good. Very good. <laughs> that was amazing. It was a, yeah, I, I didn't do that. I, I was I was busy writing these these up and you know some people. A long, long way from the canal, as I recall. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so safest way. Yeah. Uh, he- doesn't like the water, does he? Neither would you, if you'd seen it. <laughs> Come on, we're all friends here. But it's just, I'm not saying... <sighs> anyway. Aren't we friends? We're friends. Been friends forever. We're, friends. we're always going to be friends. It's always going to be us. We're all <sighs> friends. I'm sorry. Awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know in the nine-foot language, friends is literally the us which is us? What? <sighs> I... Anyway, forgive me, Berg, continue. I'm just saying that there were 17 predictions made that festival and none of it brought up the canal. I mean, people died. There were riots over the lack of water. There were livelihoods. People have had to leave university now. It's still seeing repercussions from it. It was a big deal and there was no... There's always something going on somewhere. Oh, yeah, but the big things, this was big. But were there smaller things that were predicted? Yes. Well, that is strange. Like that that three-headed pig that was going to be born. Why? No one needed to know that. <laughs> Did you know that the third face really, really, <laughs> really funny. 
Really looked like my, my old lecture. Really ama- it was amazing. What, Pavel's? Just so good. Yeah, you see, look, look, it's the ears, mainly. <laughs> it did look a bit like him, didn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We spent ages putting up posters. Yeah, ages. okay, yeah. You know, like, everyone got into yes. it, and that's amazing. Okay, I guess it did affect a few people, but it's, you know, it didn't result in anyone dying. That's true. Other than that's the, true. The... You sound disappointed by that. Come on, it's just fun, it's fun, come on. I mean, well, Berg does have a point, though. It is a little strange that I suppose you have a record in your department, Berg, that, like, covers other predictions. Yeah. But they've always been right, haven't they? They've always been right. Not always. There's sometimes they've got it wrong. And it's usually... Oh, it's it's, how you read these things, isn't it? Well, no, Algar, not always, no. I, I mean... They are literal pictures. Sometimes people make mistakes, you know, life goes on, we get better. Yeah, the flood, the flood of the library. Do you know how many people died that day? Oh, I'm not saying it wasn't a terrible thing. It was a lot of people. Yeah. And libraries aren't considered dangerous in general. Well, weren't before that day. No, no, and um, we should count ourselves lucky. We can spend too long. No, with the greatest of respect. So, you know, you can live in the gloom of that, or you can say it is our duty to be happy about the fact we escaped these things. Come on. <laughs> but the predictions just before that, that there was going to be a real drought, a real dry spell, and, you know, based on that, we got the canal levels topped right up, and... And actually... That, that is very strange. That that might have contributed to why the some of that bit of structure weakened and, and it collapsed and... and I mean, I'm not... Wait, that's, no, no. I'm not saying they predicted something and that caused the flood. Well, the way you're describing this... No, 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 no. Because it's almost like you're talking about the predictions predicting the exact opposite of what would happen, which is obviously ridiculous. You know, you can't say that. That's that's nonsense. That's, someone's misread the predictions, that's all. Hmm. But the fish, I, why would fish want to give us bad predictions? I, they're tiny. How, how would a fish benefit from predicting? They do get to eat the people. That's a very good point. Shall we call the scene there? Yeah. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> I, I like it when we all get into character. It's like, I just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's the point of like, when do we get out of character? Let's just actually <laughs> yeah. stop at some point. <laughs> I'm going to mark that as quite a light scene. That was fun. Yeah. And also, I think people were coming to a conclusion. Hmm. So, Tom, what's your period event or scene? There must be a point where someone realises the truth. Yeah. At some point, the phase purpose is kind of maliciously revealed to someone, tauntingly. I like that. Yeah, that could be the beginning of ruin. Yes. Just after something bad has happened and someone is desperately trying to figure out what the predictions meant, the Fae take great delight in explaining exactly how wrong things have gone. Oh, what about... The town is attacked by groups off the plane, uh-huh. maybe like orcs or something. Uh-huh. What if the plains people have a prophecy? A terrible doom will arise in the city <gasps> and they're coming in to try and stop it. Mm. <laughs> That's great. That's really good. Their self-fulfilling prophecy bites. That's really caught my imagination. So I think maybe we could do a scene. I wonder if this scene is like going to take place in the plaza where the executions were happening. Fun times. So, who's in it? Tom? I think you need some kind of panicked captain of the guard who doesn't think his defences will hold. Okay. Do you have a name for the guard captain? Yeah, we will call him... Him? 
Alex... Um, Umfrey. Umfrey. Alex Halfhand. That's a good name. Ironically, he's got perfectly good hands. <laughs> the name's pure coincidence. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. I'm going to play Durush, a bold climber of the mountain runners. Durush is an orc and will show up at some point, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you playing, Lucy? Somebody involved in the prophecy ceremonies. Yeah. God, what if you're an older Bergatin? <laughs> yeah, I might. I might be. Yeah. Because that would be pretty interesting in this time of urgent need. You're like, well, I don't think we can trust the fish, yeah. but what else have we got? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Okay, so how did the defenders of Malahim turn to the fish in their time of need? We're at the plaza with the Festival of Tomorrow, and you've got a group of the greatest minds of their time, the experts on the fish. Mm-hmm. And the experts, thaumaturges, magicians and whatever else of the period are all in deep discussion. And I'm guessing like Alex Halfhand comes charging out of one of the doorways or something. How do they make their entrance? Um, yeah, are we assuming that things are already happening, like combat is already happening? Yes, the city below, you can hear like the sounds of combat and, you know, general sounds of mayhem. Yes. So are the um the running people of Salem Malahim, so they're they are coming in to warn Malahim and I think they believe that Malahim are going to unleash a terrible doom. Yeah. And they've probably sent emissaries in the past yeah. trying to find what will happen. Okay. And now it's finally reached the point where there's no time, we're going to have to stop them with force because they're not listening to reason. Okay. Yeah, and we misinterpreted their attempts at communication. Yeah, or like they're just savages, or, you know, Malahim needed the benefits mm -hmm. of their lifestyle. They couldn't see the way in which they were creating a doom. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think I would come effectively running in from the wall with a report and a request for help. So if everyone's gathered round, yeah. I would come sort of clanking up because I guess I'm kind of armoured and maybe a bit battered from combat. Yeah, you're going to come out of one of these water-powered elevators, basically. Yes. Because this is like up on one of the Tower Plaza canals. Which is still fairly tranquil, relatively. Yeah. Okay. In I come. Honoured, esteemed um, people of, of, of the festival, there... <laughs> The, the battle is not going well. If there is ever a time for yourselves to, to give us something, this is the time. The invaders are through the first wall and there is combat in the streets and they are yelling curses at us and saying that all will come to doom and we must, please, if there's anything you can do. What? But don't we outnumber them? I, I thought we sent for reinforcements and from other, other cities and... We are hoping they come, but my fear grows that they will uh, overcome us before the reinforcements arrive. They fight like fanatics. They fight as if possessed by some kind of will, some savage urge. These beasts, they keep yelling of a doom. doom. I have seen mm. acts of savage, evil, dark heroism on their part. This isn't the first time we've heard of this doom, that the first messengers came to speak to us about doom. And, and we, you know, this has been over a couple of years They've talked about it and we've made specific attempts to have people focusing on this like, doom, doom. What, what is it that's, that they're referring to? Nothing's come up. I, I think, you know, I, I don't think we're going to fall. It's not, they... at least it's, it's not been predicted. Did anyone here have a home in the narrow streets? You know, that sector of town. Did anyone have a home there? Oh my God, really? They're there? They are there. The narrow streets are burning. 
um, our men are holding at the cloister gate. But Look, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. They talked about prophecies. It, obviously, we've looked at this. We deal with the prophecies, but nothing's come up. I mean, I, I wonder, you know, why don't the fish even answer at all about the doom? They are not even answering now. Well, they, no, they, they do, they, but not nothing about the doom, nothing positive or negative. There's just nothing. We don't know anything about it. They, we don't know anything about what the other side of the runners are doing. I, I, I don't know that the fish are going to help. I don't think... You mean there is nothing we can do? <sighs> then I, I, suggested, I suggest you find ways out of Malahim. I cannot stress with with any more urgency how what what one thought yes anything please Did you, Alex was it yes what if we were to get one of them for the you know um, a, a captive interrogate a captive sacrifice it, it could be done yeah interrogate in the sense of you know give you know let the fish focus on it you know <laughs> you mean the captive give them yes to the fish yes I mean put one of them in and. Maybe that would focus them on to the doom. I can take a squad and see if I can... But they are fighting, like, with... It's quite hard to take take any of them alive. Well, I mean, the fish aren't that fussy, to be honest. Just to get someone. I mean. <laughs> well, okay, does it have to be a particularly clever one? <laughs> just... Or, or, like, just one of the grunts? I don't know. I mean, get someone that looks bold, you know? <laughs> okay, well, I'll see what I can do. You there, and I'm gesturing across yeah. to sort of a, a couple of sergeants that are sitting there. We have orders. We have a mission. This is what's going to turn it for us, lads. Come on. Okay, so I guess you come back like yeah. a little later. Yeah, like five of them came with me and like two of them come back. Yeah. And I'm really battered. Yeah, I guess they're kind of carrying you like... Yeah, Durash is dragged. Um... <laughs> you said you're a bold climber. Does that mean that you've like scaled the walls to sneak over or something? And Well... Yeah, I think he like literally climbed the walls. The mountain running people live in the mountains, so they've got goat-like agility for running over rough terrain. So the walls of Malahim are relatively vulnerable to them. And so probably he was part of the first group that went in and opened the gates and let the main force through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then has been captured and probably has like big like marks on their arms because they, they have their weapons chained to their arms so they couldn't be disarmed. And they've probably been, like, yeah. hammered away so their weapons are removed and there's, like, these patches on their arms and they just kind of struggling like crazy. So, so I've, got, I've got a bit of my composure back because having a mission was, was, was a good thing there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we've got one. We have one. We have one. Salutes. Okay. Um, all yours? But, uh, I mean, I, I guess we should dispense with some of the ceremony. I mean, it obviously needs a book. Anyone got a book on them? I mean, obviously, I do not carry books about my person. <laughs> no. Anyone? Anyone got a book? Over by the canal, one of the scholars has a book that they, like, very gingerly slide along the floor towards you. Because <laughs> people have got careful lately. Yeah, Sergeant, do not touch that book. <laughs> okay, you there... Do you think that there's a doom coming, yes? Durish is like, greatest doom, the greatest doom. Okay. The city falls and brings the world with it. And that's your doing. Look at what you're doing. No, no, we have tried to stop it. We are the only who will stop it. You are listening not. Well, here's a way to stop it. Could you, um, could you just take that book? <laughs> and I've got the book on a stick <laughs> and I'm just like holding it at arm's length. <laughs> Lads, let him, let him take the book. It's like... What is this thing? Does he take it? Why do you hand me this? Yes, he takes it. As soon as he grabs it, he's like, push! <laughs> 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 Just shove him in. <laughs> Brilliant. 
So you see like horror on Durish's tusked face as he falls backwards into the water and he sort of vanishes into the water completely and just never comes up. There's just a swirl and you see the water roiling with fish. And I think like there's some kind of message that comes through then. Mm. Maybe someone has a scrying mirror. Right. A face appears in the mirror and says something like, you're wanting some help. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I think that might be an interesting scene. Mm. That's good. And before acts. And before acts. Because where there's one, (laughs) others are not necessarily far away. Yeah, I'm going to classify that scene as dark. Mm. Okay, so we're back to Lucy. And you can create one or two things. See with the fae influence. I think it's really interesting the way that we have got a kind of coherent history from all these events. Yeah. I think I'd like to link it some way to the mirror, maybe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> maybe there's something going on there because of the, you know, Banbury's mirror. Banbury's mirror is a classic unreliable narrator mm. and also insists on rhyme, which is very annoying for Banbury, mm. which is why I like it. So we have this point around the dispute. Before the running people assail Malahim, it came up already that people had sent for reinforcements. We sent the message through the mirrors. Yeah. But also, yeah, the mirrors were used to send for reinforcements. Yeah. <laughs> Did the message ever come through? Okay, so what about these people saying there's a doom coming? That's got to be the Fey influence, no? Well, it could be. It could also be that they're right. Mm. So I think that is Fey influence one way or another because the Fey like to play both sides against themselves. Mm. So it's either going to be like the Fey are driving that or someone is seeing the Fey's plan. Yeah, okay. So maybe somewhere in late decline? I prefer the idea that someone's seeing the Fey's plan. Yeah, I think so. This could be a scene that happens among the running people. Mm, yeah. Could be out on the plains. Yeah. So maybe something like the running people see the truth in late decline. So these guys are orcs, right? Yes, they are. Okay, I'm on my orc name generator. Good. <laughs> the only names of orcs we've heard so far are Durish in the last scene and Kashdosh, who uh, works as the uh, super buff secretary at Enigma's agency. I was so happy when that name came up. That was the point where I tweaked it. I was like, oh, right, I see what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> what was the name, sorry? Kashdosh. It's important that your secretary has two names for money. <laughs> scared, scared. <laughs> so, what's the question? How did the seers of the running people discover? Yeah, how did they come to know the doom? Yeah, yeah. How did they hear of the doom? Or I've really got no idea as to how they would either. Well, that's what's fun. Yeah. So, who are you playing, Tom? Um, I am going to play Borakash, who is a raider who has had a long career harrying the uh, farmers near the uh, canals. Presume there's that kind of a little bit of that. Yeah, well, I wonder if that's almost become like a formal system at this point. All right, okay. Like maybe it started out as raiding and now it's become kind of like an aggressive formalised exchange system. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like sauntering up to the farm and going, nice farm. 
Yeah, so... Yeah, what a shame <laughs> if anything happened to it. Hmm. Yeah, or it's like there is some value exchange, but yeah, they're still a, like classified yeah. as raiders, but technically they're more like slightly pushy merchants. Wait, did you say they're mountain people or plains people? There are both plains and mountain people. Okay. I spent a while thinking about why orcs are the way they are and like the idea of big horde and the idea that they often have horns and kind of like very strong and hard-headed. And I realised that the only way that makes sense is if they're like hominid bison. <laughs> so they're actually, they're boisterous, but they're kind of vegetarian. It'd be a massive herd of vegetarians. Because you couldn't have a carnivore that, that wouldn't fit in any ecosystem. Yeah, so I've, I've got an idea of a world where like, if hominids divided more widely to fill different ecological niches, and also there's magic, that's sort of where you get to in my view so sort of like when they go raiding they're actually just literally going for the fields like almost like locusts would be like yeah that'd be amazing oh, we have heard that there's a big crop of lettuces <laughs> <laughs> lettuces are like peter rabbit <laughs> okay so yeah i like the idea that like a raider captain is almost like a kind of merchant role now and like maybe they take a bunch of food but maybe they also bring mm. things that they find out that are no use to them, but have some use to the farmer. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they, maybe they negotiate with the farmer saying, listen, which, which field should we take? Yeah. My herd must feast and they are coming and I'm four days march ahead of them. Yeah, the horde are coming. Mm. So, yeah, exactly. And, so the, and then the farmers are like, okay, well, if you have that field and what I'll need is like six long bone spades and whatever else. Hmm. Mm. And it's kind of like a compensation agreed, and then actually people get along fairly smoothly. The kind of like the circus comes to town. Yeah. They munch on stuff, and maybe even sometimes it clears the fields. And exactly. Maybe even sometimes they're dropping <laughs> good fertiliser that's like, you'll get good growth out of that field. <laughs> gross. Why is this always suddenly gross? <laughs> I'm not interested in this conversation, for the record. <laughs> we know. <laughs> it's not dark enough for you, Lucy, that's a thing. Also, probably there's an idea that maybe date back the pumpkin vines. Oh, yeah. So after you've harvested your pumpkins, the orcs come through and eat back all the vines. And you're like, cool, mm. <laughs> the field's clear. <laughs> and also then the farmers are like trying to push for a deal as well, so they get that little bit extra. So it mm. actually works quite well. And the raider captains mm. kind of are like the advanced guard of that. Kind of like the canteen dinner ladies just organising the, the mob of people yeah. in a school canteen. <laughs> <laughs> Ferocious. Yeah. Uh, terrifying. I do think of dinner ladies as being quite vicious. I think we had some particularly vicious ones in my school. So my character is going to be called Forgrom, and I'm trying to think of a cool way that they might have a seer. I might steal the thing from the story with Tig, Never Touch Earth, Never Touch Woman. I know it well. So I think a I don't. wisdom seed. I don't know that. The wisdom seed are seers, and the way that they perform their rites is they bury themselves in the earth. <laughs> yeah, and they can't pass into this deep, deep, almost sleep-like death. And maybe they do it for months. Whoa. Yeah, like they're buried and basically the herd goes off on their circle and yeah. they come back late in the season and they dig them up to find what wisdom they found. And it's like honoured, but also those people have lost months of their lives into this 
self-burial vision. Yeah, yeah. Sounds awful. Oh, yeah. It's weird that everyone in different cultures will go to ridiculous lengths for prophecy. (laughs) True. Yeah, and maybe they're, like, venerated for the rest of the year and fed. Because it's obviously a starvation thing. Yeah. And, you know, because they're a fundamentally vegetarian society, the notion of planting stuff (laughs) is like this weird sacred act that they don't do very often because they're migratory vegetarians. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the only planting they do, (laughs) is they plant their own people. (laughs) That's the deal with farmers. Yeah. When we used to just wander. We lost so many people that way. Yeah. <laughs> Just buried them and then wandered off miles. <laughs> Never remembered where they were. Yeah, the, the thing that really revolutionised their lives that the farmers built was the invention of the gravestone, <laughs> which the farmers are like, oh, this venerated figure among them has died. Some generous farmers like, we'll put up a little gravestone for them. And the orcs are like, this is amazing. We can find them immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and when they're like tilling the field is it's like that thing where you like go round the fairy hill you're like yeah. just plow round the sleeping orc <laughs> <laughs> yeah and first few times they were like their minds was blown but there's like a tradition where if it's on mm. your land then you get to share in like the celebration when the seed is awoken yeah yeah so so lucy who are you playing part of the raiding slash grazing party <laughs> that's uh gonna be digging them up okay so a digger among the uh yeah digger got a spade yeah so that's like an esteemed role because mm-hmm. this is a very ceremonial religious thing mm-hmm. and you've got to be pretty skilled as well oh yeah are you buried in a box or are you just literally in the earth No, just literally in the earth because they have to be in contact with the earth. Yeah, there's a risk. Exactly. And if you dig wrong, you decapitate them. That has happened. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what's your character's name? Oh, I've got this. I've got this. (laughs) I sent you a list of the names where I used the um, orc name generator. One of the names was Bum. (laughs) Bad Bog. I'm going to be Bad Bog Digger. Bad Bog. Bad Bog. (laughs) That describes the field as well. (laughs) (laughs) one of the fields that went wrong (laughs) so I'm going to describe Badbog as a digger awakener Mm. I guess this scene starts with Fargrom buried good start, if if you guys play this right I might just be buried the whole scene (laughs) (laughs) don't worry, we're going to dig you up definitely not decapitate you I know, you're never going to dig me up Never going to let me down. (laughs) Or or inter you. (laughs) Okay, so is this like the scene is beside a stone marker? Okay. Just for fitting, shall we say we're we're in the pepper farm? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, that's the bad bog. (laughs) Yeah, because after it flooded. You lost some good seeds there when that flood happened. Yeah. Yeah, it actually stirred up some resentment among the running people. Maybe sort of my achievement is to smooth things over a little bit so we've actually been able to put you back in the box. Right, yeah, that that's pretty cool. Oh, this area which had lots of the water from the canals seeping into it. That's interesting. And all of a sudden has given you a chance to touch on something. Yeah. So what's the uh, ceremony look like? What's the right time to awaken the wisdom seed is it like at sunrise or sunset or some point like that i think you get them up at sunset 
sunset. Oh, I was thinking, yeah, like bury them at the start of the... Yeah, okay, so so you create the long night. Okay, sunset, yeah. So you bury them while it's dark and you awaken them while it's dark. Mm. Then it goes from the dark of the being buried into the dark of the night and vice versa. And that's a pattern as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay, that's interesting. Yes. And I think also there's going to be a bit of a ceremony of, you know, you, you go around and you... Stomp the ground. Little sticks that you poke down just to <laughs> confirm where they are. And when you reach a bit of resistance, you're like, oh, don't press harder, don't press harder. This is a very delicate operation to try and work out where you are. Maybe one of the sticks helps to wake him up as well, because maybe it's bad luck to like dig him up if they're not at least partially awake. And there could well be like a ceremony, like there's nine staves of different types of wood that they use, and that's like mm. part of the ritual. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that this is a process with a lot of ritual to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking that you work out where they are, you dig a kind of a trench around yeah. the outside so that they're sort of in the central pieces, slightly more raised. And then yeah. the awakeners, little team of awakeners, just kind of go in there with hands and scrape all the dirt away down into the trench and like... Yeah, oh, that's really cool, yeah. Cover it with like water and... Yeah, I like to think there's like drums and a fire somewhere nearby as well. Yeah, drums and a fire and chanting and stuff. Yeah, I I had this image of a sort of a Maori war dance going on, sort of like stomping the the rhythms in the ground to waking him up as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so there's definitely awakening feeling. And that idea that that rhythm maybe mm-hmm. does speak in, maybe it starts real slow and it gradually builds up. Yes. And actually, as they do that, the Wisdom Seed's heartbeat is speeding up with the beat of the rhythm in the ground so that they start to come back to consciousness. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. That is speeding up and speeding up. Yeah, and so it starts out unbelievably slow because they've found the heart rate of the Earth. And maybe this is like they, they're out of the earth and she's kind of lying on this ground and they're doing this stepping dance at slow, heavy steps and gets faster and faster. And, uh, and the firelight's scattering and then it hits this certain speed. And what does Badbog do as the digger awakening, as the final part of the digger awakening rite? And then goes round until she's positioned right above her head. And they've used the water to try and wash the head and the face clean, but they're still all smudged. Yeah. With like handprint smears, and then just gives a specific little knock right on the forehead. And Fargrom's eyes just flick open, and she stares up, and she can see all this flickering light and the circling figures. And sort of howling. And so she immediately relaxes, and you can kind of see the tension run out of her body as she's like, ah, howling, dancing figures. This is what I like. Welcome back, Fargrim. She has returned! Fargrim says, Bad Fog, could you give me a hand up, please? She's quite old. Yep. Uh, Maybe a couple of people can't haul her up to her feet. And then once she's on them, she's quite steady. Yes. But it's just like a little hard to get up there. And I think Warcash is kind of leading a chant almost like, The Seed! Awakens, the siege, awakens, awakens, awakens. <laughs> I, I like the fact that they're kind of black metal orcs as well. In the background, there's, there's an orc drummer with like two bass pedals just going nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's just, it's just too fast, it's just like noise. <laughs> I like the idea that um, Mr. Pepper is over there going, oh, he's fucked. 
fucking orcs. Why do we do this? <laughs> I think at this point, Mr. Pepper's actually got okay with it. And he's kind of gone completely bald, but he's got this really big beard around his chin. <laughs> he's actually put a stage for this. Occasionally, sort of some of the upper class kids from the cities come to watch the orc rituals. Yeah. Charges them to come in and, you know. <laughs> mm. Yeah, he can make an extra penny out of it. But maybe in this case, it is just the running people and Pepper in the background, maybe like a couple of members of his family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is private. Which I would imagine is quite extensive. Oh, yeah. I guess the agreement must be that they, they shouldn't really be there. Yeah. But like people, you know, the curious of the family are always spying on it. Yeah. Maybe they've got a mirror. Ah. And so what? what's the next step of the right once... Fargrom has awakened and she takes her bearings, what happens next? You know, bring her to the fire and she's got to be seated at the fire and given food and drink so that gives a bit of energy to, you know, tell us what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a ceremonial meal and, like, the food and drink is passed to her but no one else eats or drinks until she has. Yeah, until she's full, yeah. She takes a bit and has a drink and takes a bite and has a drink. And then she like nods and everyone else like tucks into their feast. Mm-hmm. Lettuce flying everywhere. Yeah, lettuce, loads of lettuce. <laughs> yeah. Man, vegetarian orcs are the best. <laughs> Looks like lettuce is back on oh, the oh, menu, oh. boys. <laughs> yeah, that's actually what Warcast yells at one point. I imagine him as kind of this sort of like stompy master of ceremonies <laughs> at this point. He's not really, he's kind of conducting things. More just kind of whipping everyone up into a frenzy. Yeah. Quite aspects of that as you guys. Like being the interface between the tribe and the uh, Wisdom Seed and the Digger Awakeners. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess everyone eats and then there's the moment of quiet and it's like that expectation. What did you see? Everyone's watching, waiting. (laughs) Yeah, which is good because what I've done is I've put the spotlight on my character with no idea what I'm going to do. (laughs) It's really good. This is a great idea. What did you see in the dark? How run the, the plains? And Fargrom says, The streams are turbulent. Change is coming, terrible change such as we have never seen. There is a darkness, darkness in the water and a shadow on the land. And the shadow heart is the city of the towers. A city of the towers brings darkness to the land, brings darkness to the world. City of the towers must be stopped I like that yeah and I think Walkash has no idea what to, to make of this at all so it's just like <gasps> yeah normally it's like there'll be great bounty and Komzomak will have a pretty set of twins mm-hmm. okay that's a pretty interesting scene now I think we're about at the end but I think Tom you had something you wanted yeah. to add and as you have missed on being the lens possibly twice yeah, I was kind of thinking there should be some event earlier on which sows distrust between the people of the cities and these glorious orcs. So I just kind of wanted to sow the seeds of tragedy. So what if they sided with the farmers over the canal thing? Yeah, that's a good spot to put it, yeah. Because they know the farmers and they don't really know the city people and they're not that interested in them. Yeah, maybe even um, if one could in retrospect, almost edit some of the stuff in the disputes. Maybe Mr. Pepper knew a little bit about what was going wrong because he knew that there were, you know, dangers inherent. Maybe they're the ones that helped actually tap. Yeah, maybe they helped to tap the canals in the first place. So maybe there was a falling out over that matter. That is, that's quite yeah, an interesting yeah. idea. And also, I feel like 
I think this has given me a lot of history to play with that I can bring into, like, Bully the Hawks. Mm. Uh, so it's been really good. And it's been good fun. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you, everyone. And I think what we're going to discover, one of the things is that some of the running people's clans will feel sort of responsible, like they picked the wrong side. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a history there yeah, that yeah. we might see. And also, obviously, a, a noble history of pumpkin farming. Mm-hmm. And fish in <laughs> art and the power of mirrors. And we've learned things about what sky singers and land wielders could do. So we've actually got a much clearer picture of what this world was. So, yeah. Also, you know you have the, the place that they're heading for. Is it the Hall of the Singers? Yes. I was kind of hoping that that's going to be the... The room of the fenister. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in the main council hall. Yeah. That would be known as the Hall of the Singers. And we've established that they're sort of singing in there. It does things with mirrors, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Singing for the communications. That is interesting, yeah. It was a pretty big deal to get to play in that room. Yeah. To, you know, be like playing your music. In the singers' hall. And uh, broadcast <laughs> across the empire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The music actually had a power, but then, because that's why it was a big deal, because yeah. you do something with song there, you really well, change yeah. things. I don't know. I also just think, you know, it's a pretty big audience you can reach if it goes across all the fences. Yeah, you've got a lot of reach. You're basically, you're like streaming to them. Like, hey, guys, don't forget to like and subscribe. Exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking this is how the mirrors would go. They'd start off like important news and you need to sow your seeds now for the best crop and then eventually it's like hey guys wrote a new song about cats yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people are asking me about how i get this eye makeup i'm just going to go through the step-by-step yeah. process it's pretty easy you need to use these products which i do have endorsements by but i also they're just good products so yeah was there also an intention when you had nathaniel clifftop and that was like a cliff top because of the cliffs and the mountain and the um, geomancy, whatever stuff you were you calling it, stone shaping and things. Yeah, the land wielding. But when you then separated that into, oh yeah, it is the cliffs and the ops. Is that intentionally <laughs> aiming yeah. to be cliffed, I, cleft? Yeah, yeah. I think that was on Tom's part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just something I realised a while back. I was like, oh, was that's that intentional cool. or not? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, was like, I thought <gasps> that ages ago, and then I first name that kind of spilled out of me was Clifftop, and I was like, oh yeah, because <laughs> I, I really like that idea of like like names yeah. changing over epochs, mm. and it can be done really well. And one of the things I quite like about this is like we never even never even came up really what the people in the western kingdom were like before the stone empire but i have a feeling that they were like clans which followed that had like animal ancestors effectively animal patrons hmm. uh so but then they were like the valley clan oh, yeah. locational and uh and so on yeah so they were locational and that's why the aristocratic names now are related to, um, are related to toponyms. Yeah, because it's like it's almost the opposite of the way that it worked, that a lot of place names work. Um, yeah, say in Britain, we're like you've got you've got um, Ensham, where I grew up, which is presumably there was a guy called Ain at some point. That, that was his hamlet, and he had a ham. It's his oh. name. Yeah, he had a ham. <laughs> <laughs> he had hands like hams. So that, and it's that whole thing of like you know a place named after a person in, yeah. in the world you're describing that. This, it's the other way around. There's people named after place. 
Yeah, one of the things I like as well is that their animal gods that they followed were just lost. And those are the creatures from the Forest of Forgotten Animals. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the Valley Clan's animal sponsor was the boar. Mm. Oh, sorry, the Gorge Clan, I should say, <laughs> seeing as it's the Le Gorge family now. Mm. Yeah, which is about to become very pertinent. <laughs> cities. What are the green dots? Those are where I accidentally clicked while I had the green pen colour okay. while I was making that graphic. <laughs> I was like, one of them's in the sea. Yeah. Has the Empire got a sea city? That'd be cool. 